0: Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. It is Live Transform, Jim, Audrey,
1: myself, Bob here. Glad you're with us.
2: I am really, really excited. What I what love excitement.
1: Wait a minute. There was, ex- <laughs> there was an extra person there. There was Jim, yeah. Audrey, yeah. myself, and Bob. So who's this <laughs> myself? Who, is this? Who is this myself guy? I don't I'm- I don't, he, if he, the, I don't know. If I'm
3: comfortable.
2: The myself guy is the one that trips up
0: over these intros not, every single not, week. He's not
2: comfortable with myself. That oh, person. I'm, I'm
0: very happy. I'm very comfortable with me, myself,
1: and I. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, all, <laughs> all of us I, get
0: along quite
1: well. I got to give this to Bob. This is because, you know, one of my joys in life is tormenting my friends. <laughs> yes, <we> and, know. <laughs> uh, not in mean ways, you no, know no, what no. I mean? Fun, 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 fun. But I've got to say, after all of these years of <laughs> uh-huh. us working together, <laughs> yeah. I, Bob, I got to give it to you. I don't ever remember one time you really Reacting negatively no, or being insulted no. when I mess, when you I mess do- with you like that? No, no
0: I don't. Because
2: he, he likes it just as much as you do. It's yeah. all—it's all fun. It's yeah. always fun. He does not take if it. If I do it to someone
0: else and I put him in tears, okay, then I've crossed the line. Well, you I'm know, it's amazing. <laughs>
1: it's amazing how. How many people just take themselves too seriously? <laughs> Isn't
2: that the truth?
1: You know, I, I, had a, I have a guy that is a dear friend. I mean, he is a real genuine friend. Yeah. We've been friends, I mean, for decades. Yeah. And so back a f- couple of years ago, he said something, or, or, or we, we were talking about something, and uh, he said, uh, you know, I did that one time, and, and you made fun of me. And I started realizing <laughs> that for decades he did not understand my sense of humor, huh. oh. and it had actually created a little bit of a
2: riff, like a little a thing. little riff, like a little of a bit. bit of a funny a little, thing between you, yeah, yeah, like a little rock in your shoe. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. You know,
1: the the thing is, is like you know, you take like Jimmy Bratcher, you know Jimmy Bratcher, and I come from the exact same background. Mm-hmm. So man, you know, people that are not from that background would would think that we're being brutal to each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so I forget sometimes that not everybody has a culture that makes them it's comfortable. It's a culture. It's a culture. Yeah, you know, kind of joking around. I don't think you should attack people. And I'll tell you this, if I make fun of a person, I never make fun of them over something that is a true issue and that right. they have no ability to do it. Because I don't want to hurt anybody's self. Right, yeah, right, yeah,
2: yeah. Right.
1: But, uh, but it, you know, it is a You know, a great Bob, thing. Bob and
2: <laughs> myself and him being schizophrenic yeah. and bipolar. We'll yeah. It,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got all kinds of issues. That's not <laughs> how, a problem.
3: How
2: many of you are in there, Bob? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: what What was that movie? What was that movie about? Uh, what was it? Me, myself, and Irene or something like that. You remember that? Irene. Wrote- <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it was a Jim Carrey movie where he was. It was. Where I he think was he just, had multiple personalities. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but you know, it, again, it's just it's just always it's fun, fun to be it with is. people who can have fun and people who take things too seriously, yeah. too personally. They can't have fun.
2: No, exactly. And you know, there is a sensitivity. I've been, lately I've been just thinking about the the oversensitivity thing because. In some areas, I am. I'm a very sensitive person.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's almost like in some area, like I'm, I, ha, and, and it's something that can be overcome, but I don't ever want to stop being sensitive in the way that I can feel a room and yeah. I can, I can, you know, move towards someone's pain and move in empathy. Uh, yeah, I have mm-hmm. a lot of empathy, but it just means I've got a lot of my nerves are, instead of being a quarter inch down, it's like my nerves are sticking out. Wow. So I feel a lot. Well, and
1: actually, yet, you're describing two. Subtly different s- ways of sensing things.
2: Okay. See, well, I am. Sensi- there's at least two of me in here.
1: <laughs> yeah, at least. You know, sensitivity, <laughs> all sensitivity means is I'm aware, I, you know, I sense things and I recognize them. That, that's all that means, neither good nor right. bad. Right. But what the other part that you're talking about is actually what the Bible calls touchy. And the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, says, love is not touchy. Or, you know, one translation ah, says, easily offended.
2: Easily offended. So, and they are different. They yeah. are. Thank you for pointing that out to me. That is so
1: true. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. When, I, you know, when I'm with somebody, and I start recognizing that they're touchy in certain areas. And first of all, if, if I'm going to walk in love, I've got to. I've got to kind of scale back and realize, okay, this is a sort, uh, you know, sticking point for this person. Yeah. And so I've got to respect where they are in life, but I also have to realize, you know, you know, love, expressing love, is all about the fact that you are first experiencing love. Yeah. Yes. And so, so people who do not first experience love. In an area of their life, or about mm-hmm. a certain issue of their life, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they have they don't have the capacity to give love mm. in that area.
0: Isn't it interesting how I think many people think that I'm going to love you in this way, so I can get it in that yeah. way. Right. Meanwhile, they're coming from an extremely void place yeah. where they haven't been loved first.
1: Yeah. I, so it never works. It never it, pays it never off because works. you don't have the capacity to even experience it if people mm-hmm. give you love back. And, you know, if, if you if yeah. you give love to get love back and people love you back, then inwardly you're saying, well, you know what? If I wasn't doing all this stuff for them, they wouldn't love me. So this really ain't love. Mm. So, so, so they they lose out
2: in, yes. in every
1: way imaginable.
2: yeah and, I was, and and back to that sensitive thing I just wanted to finish what I was thinking about was that I'm sensitive, but just in the last week or so, I realized that I get ner- I tend to get nervous when there's someone in a bad mood because because of I don't know what it is but maybe it's my who I am as a person just wanting everyone to be happy and I love being happy if someone close to me or around me is in a bad mood, I get nervous yep. and then I react. And it results in insecurity. So I was going to say, like, I want—I loved how you differentiated between yep. sensitive and touchy, because being easily offended—that is a biblical thing that yeah. you know we Scripture teaches us is not healthy. But,
1: but it only happens if we're touchy in that
2: Exactly, area. and s- exactly. So that is really an insecurity. And so knowing that now, I know, oh, there's um, an insecurity there, and that's why I was nervous with that yeah. person's mood, because I want to give everyone their mood. It's okay. You can have a mood. Well,
1: it's your choice. Keep in mind. All weaknesses are an overuse of strength. Right, right. So, you know, one of your strengths is you are sensitive to the needs of people. You, yeah. You know, you do try to create a positive, healthy, positive, envi- excuse me, and safe environment. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a strength. But the problem is when you try to use that, that strength to fix a situation
3: right. that you have that
1: you have no control over. Right now, it becomes a weakness, and now trepidation or fear of some kind starts coming in because, Jim, you, because you know I yeah. can't I can't control this. I can't fix it. This is going to go bad.
2: Yes, that is exactly. You called it so well. You just called it on me. That's exactly you put it into
1: words. Well, and, and you know all you know you can do. That. Matter of fact, today is going to be really interesting because you know. You know, I think it was last week we talked about normal. What's your, what's your normal? <laughs> yeah. You know? And of course, and are not, you normal? not that any of us are normal. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've proven that very well.
1: You know, yes, people have got people have got what is it, 299 episodes and about 20 something years of television programs to to really prove we are not normal. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, 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 not normal. And
1: we're comfortable with it. Very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dangerous part. Yeah. Uh, but you know. And remember, normal is one of those things that maybe another way to talk about normal is that normal basically is something that evolves because of our environment. Let's say, for example, uh, your mother and father screamed at each other when they got mad. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what you grew up in, then that's your normal now, then your normal then works in your life in a way that determines what you will accept and what you will will, will hmm. approve of hmm. and what you will tolerate. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have a really close friend and we've been friends for a long time. And I helped him through some difficult spots and, and a really, really bad marriage. And uh, this guy was, I think I've mentioned, I think I've said this statement before. He was married to one of the meanest women I've ever known in my whole life. Hmm. And now, you know what? I mean, I I have known crackheads that were that mean. You know what I mean? I have known criminal women that were that mean. I have known hookers that were that mean. But I've never known kind of a normal uh, go to church, be around, you know, kind of safe environments person that was this mean. And I'm oh. not going to go into all the detail because if I did, it would, might expose who she is and who he is. And I, don't right. want, I don't want to do that. But anyhow, yeah. so, I mean, he went through physical and emotional abuse. I'm telling you, I, I could have never, I could have never took it. But you, you know, you can tolerate, you tolerate some things because you're walking in love. You tolerate some things because you're walking in patience. But There's a lot of destructive things that we tolerate only because that is our sense of normal. And so, so whenever, after he and his wife came around, spent time with me and Brenda, you know, came down to visit us and stayed at our home. You know, he started like, like, do y'all always get along like this? And it's like, well, you know, we're like anybody else. We have our, our conflict. But, you, you know, our kids never in their entire life ever heard either one of us raise our voice to each other.
3: Mm-hmm. Not one time.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They
1: never actually even saw us have a negative heated yeah. argument.
2: Conversation. Mm-hmm.
1: Now we had arguments. We didn't mind them saying that we had disagreements and you sure. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if someone was going to get heated, we we went to another room. Yeah. And so but he had grown up where his, his mother and father were like fire and gas. I mean, like water. and I mean, gasoline and fire. You know, mm-hmm. every, everything was an explosion. Everything, everything caught on fire. Yeah. And so that was his sense of normal. So, I, so when he started asking me these questions, I said, well, so what's the deal? And he said, you know, he said, I thought what I grew up in was normal. And he said, a lot of why I didn't do anything about the abuse that I'm going through when it started was I thought, well, this is how everybody lives. Mm-hmm. This is how everybody treats themselves. This other. is normal. Yeah. He so, really has
2: nothing else to base it on or to compare yeah. it with or even to feel about it. It's, that's So what it once
1: is. we accept something as normal, then it becomes acceptable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after it becomes acceptable, uh, then it becomes tolerated. But at a deep, deep dysfunctional level, it can get to where we actually need it to feel wow. normal. Wow. And so, you know, for example, it, it, say a woman grew up where her that mother is was...
2: interesting.
1: Uh, ...was getting beaten all the time. hmm And so, but every time the father would beat her, you know, he would tell her how much he loves her. Or maybe a, a parent, you know, is physically abusive to a child, and every time he, every time he beats them, then he sobers up and hugs and kisses them... And, Tells them how much he loves them. So not only does that become a normal, but because of the definition given to it, now it becomes an expression of love. Wow. And so, and so once once it reaches that level of acceptance and approval, it becomes needed because if some if you marry somebody that doesn't beat you every now and then, then obviously they don't love you.
2: Isn't that wild? Oh yeah. That is wild. Mm-hmm. Your sense of norm, what your sense of normal be, is not only acceptable, but then it's tolerated, and then the dysfunction sets in, and then you actually need it, and then it's yeah. experienced as that expression of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Wow. And, and we've seen this, you know, with couples that oh, yeah. will, will leave a destructive and abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and it's only a matter of time before they're right back in,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and it's just like, you know the the relationship that they left yeah. they've recreated it yet again
1: they have either recreated or they subconsciously were drawn to somebody with those same tendencies but uh-huh. either way you're right they end up in that in that very situation you know one of the, one of the things today that that I, I, I hope we'll be able to look at and we're going to revisit some some foundations that we've already laid you know um Let's say let's say you are a woman in an abusive situation. And so the problem is you're in that in that abusive situation to some degree. Once you're there, and even though it was your normal and even though you needed it to feel loved, you are still in abusive a threatening situation. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to just say this. I know a lot of people are going to get mad about this. But I'm telling you the whole corrupt concept of Christian marriage counseling, where it tells women they are obligated to stay in a situation and get beaten. I got news where you didn't get that out of the Bible. And I promise you this: if it was the woman beating the man, they tell him to they tell him to get out of that, get rid of her. Um, you know there's there is there is still a lot of uh, uh, sexism in in how we interpret the Bible and interpret these scriptures. Yeah, but the point is you get in a violent situation, you know, you know uh, one of the most hurtful things ever happened in my whole life ever. I mean, this was, this is one of these things that produced a wound that was so deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it really did take a lot of growing and heart work and this sort of thing to actually solve this problem. But you know, everybody knows this story. When I was about 18 years old, I went back home to just spend a couple of nights with my mom. And so, um, uh, uh, I was sleeping in the spare room and, and you, know, you know, this is one of those times I'm so glad I was jacked up on drugs because, boy, this would have been a, this would have been a horrible, painful experience if I hadn't been. But I'm, I'm asleep and I'm in bed, man, I don't even get awake. I hear this sound that sounds like thunder. And what it was, it was my stepfather kicking that bedroom door in. And, and I didn't wake up completely. And then, then I realized, you know, he came to the bed and he had like his left hand holding me down on the bed. And then he, he was strong. He, he was one of these people that would, you know, break your cheekbone if he hit you. I mean, this, this guy.
2: Wow, was, powerful. He,
1: he was powerful.
2: Yeah. He, you know,
1: he, he broke people's jaws. He broke people's noses. One time a dog attacked him, a German shepherd attacked him, and he hit that German shepherd in the head so hard with his fist that he knocked one of his eyes out. That, that's that's kind of what's called that's powerful. Creepy. So he's holding me down with his left hand, man. He's drawing back with that right hand, yeah, as far back as he could draw, man. He had pounded me, and beaten the daylights out of me. And it's been like I said, I am so glad I was high. I mean, I don't even know if I could have stood the pain if I hadn't been high. Yeah. And so, so he stops and he walks over to the door where his buddy is, and and I hear him say. I've cut that little SOB, let's kill him. And so I didn't realize I'd been cut. I didn't realize. And so I thought, man, I'm I'm to die right here. Uh, you know, I roll out of bed. Some people heard me tell this story, I roll out of bed. And I had my I had, a, I had a shotgun under my bed, because everywhere I went, I carried weapons. And for some weird reason, I didn't I unloaded my shotgun because I thought out of respect to my mother, I'm just not gonna keep a loaded gun in her in, in her house. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, that's weird. I, you know, when you think of how, how corrupt I was in every area of life, I don't know why that mattered. <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but anyhow, I'd forgotten that I'd unloaded it. So, man, him and this guy come back through the door to kill me. Man, I roll out and grab this shotgun. I'm telling you, I stuck this thing in his head, I mean, right in his face, pulled the trigger. You know what I got? Click. And I'm like, oh, crap (laughs) you do not want to pull a gun on the meanest guy you've ever known pull the trigger and it don't fire (laughs) so there was a little window in that bedroom that was about it was probably about mm, four feet off of the ground and it was one of those windows that was maybe like 36 inches or something like that wide and you know maybe 24 inches high you know it wasn't a very big window but that was the only way out yeah, and so you know, I did a I did a Gene Autry man. I just dove right through that window, wow. And uh, and so when I got out, I went across the street. And I didn't. I still didn't even know that, that I had been cut. And I get across the street, and these people are like, they were out and sitting in the yard. They're like, somebody call ambulance quick! This guy's this guy's bleeding. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean I'm bleeding? And so I, found, you know, I eventually realized that you know I had been stabbed. Right. And so, yeah, I'm all covered in blood and everything. And so, uh, so when I get out of the hospital, I uh, I go back and get my mother, and we take off and, and we go and hide. Now, the purpose for going in hiding was I did, you know, I was kind of lost a little bit of the use of my left arm because I got stabbed in this left shoulder here, and but but I had weapons, and my my plan was get my mother away from him, go back and kill him. That mm-hmm. that was that was the whole extent of that plan. Well, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't grasp it back then, but you know, I, I eventually came to understand it. and, and it eventual, eventually, as years went by. But about three days later, my mother said, "I want you to take me home." I'm like, "What?" She said, "I, won't, I want you to take me home." And I'll tell you, the greatest hurt and rejection I ever felt in my whole life wow. was standing there watching my mother
2: wow. go back
1: into the house with a man who three days before had just tried to kill me. Now, you know, um Wow I mean later I came to understand that she did it to protect me and, and my siblings because he would he would have either killed one of us or all of us, or one of us would have had to kill him. And she did not want any of us to be put in that kind of threatening position. She was really watching out for us and she was willing to go live in the abuse as a way to protect her children. So, you know, um man, I had I had murder in my heart. You know, I, I I was planning the murder of my biological father. I was planning the murder of my stepfather. And all I was trying to do was figure out a way to do it and get by with it. So, you know, you got all of these hurts in, in your lives. You got all of these things, where, uh, like maybe a woman trapped in, in in a divorce or in a situation you know, like my mother was. And so almost all counseling, almost all Christian, and I'm not against Christian counseling, you know that, if if true Christian counseling always takes you to put off, put on.
2: Always, yes.
1: And if it doesn't take you to put off, put on, it's not really Christian counseling per se, even though even though it uses Bible verses and Bible terminology, it's leading you away from Christ as your solution.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's leading you to a formula, mm-hmm. you know, to through a process. Uh, and, and, and people think that because it's, you're using Bible verses and you're talking about Jesus, that Jesus is somewhere in the mix, and he's not anywhere in the mix. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
1: And the thing I want, that where, where we want to go today, if you're going to overcome whatever your normal is, because remember, your normal is something that that you have you have accepted. It becomes your expectation. You know, it becomes it, it eventually becomes something you embrace. And it really usually becomes something you don't know how to live without and you don't know how to get out of it. And the truth is no counseling is going to help you get out of that. Hmm. Uh, And even if you get out of it, I I think of the many people who did the right thing Number one, maybe for the wrong reasons, or they did the right thing, but they weren't doing it by the grace and power of God working in it. They were doing it by their own strength. I, I, I know people who have lived their entire life under shame and condemnation, you know, expecting punishment for what they did, when in fact they did the biblical yeah. thing that they should have done. But that, see, the problem is that don't fit into their normal. So today, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to kind of say, okay, we're going to take some of the things we've already taught you now,
2: mm-hmm. and we're
1: going, to, we're going to move into uh, mm-hmm. understanding how to use what we've already taught you mm-hmm.
2: to get out of these situations. And also how to make it really personal for you, because just speaking to the listener right now, like you, we all have things that are our normal is something that we've accepted and that becomes our expectation. So when we get thrown out of things that are normal, we react with that sensitivity oh, yeah. and we react with however that is of insecurity. Like yeah. I feel insecure when things don't feel normal to me.
1: Yeah, everybody does.
2: Everybody does. And <clears throat> and so knowing this is very valuable to bring Jesus in because ultimately, when we're perfectly loved, we become fearless. Because yeah. fear and perfect love cannot coexist. And so... Really what our walk with Jesus and walking in love brings us to is fearlessness. Like nothing can scare me. That that can be our ultimate place where we want to move to where I don't react in situations because they're not normal. Because I'm so loved that I'm not scared here.
1: You know, this would be a great time for all of our listeners maybe to say, wait a minute. I, I'm either going to come back and do this after I listen to this session or I'm going to hit the pause button right now. And do this just, right now. Just a few mm-hmm. minutes. Right. And, and it would be to, right now, before we get into solving some of this, stuff. Mm-hmm. this would be a good time to say, I'm going to make a list of situations in my life, reoccurring situations or, you know, mm-hmm. things that happen over and over again that I should not be accepting But I do, and I don't know why. Or maybe I do because I'm afraid, you know, to stand up because the situation I'm in is violent or threatening or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll be surprised at how many things you tolerate, you participate in, you find yourself constantly putting yourself in that position that you don't like and you don't want. But, number one, they happen so subconsciously that you're in those bad situations before you know it.
2: Right. And I think that's a, a valuable thing. I love that to do, to be, to do something so practical as that, Jim. Yeah. And I think what we've got to be really careful of when we make that list, yeah. it's, it's not things that are reoccurring because I shouldn't accept the way you're talking to me and how th- you make me feel and all this. We've got to be careful not to blame others, but say, what is it in me that I'm, I am putting up with this or, here, here, I, or it's a- making me nervous or whatever?
1: Here is a statement I think everybody should write down at the top of this list. Okay. Because, you know, you can't escape the fact that you are going to be talking about things that other people are doing to you. you can't, right. No... I,
2: that's why I want to be careful. Like, how uh, can we protect ourselves from turning well, into Well, you, you to need to, and
1: boy, you, everybody, people are going to hate this. Mm-hmm. But one of the statements, everybody should write down at the top of this list to remember, is: you know, you're not making this list to figure out who you're going to blame. You're, no. you're making this list to discover... How do I keep ending up here, and why do I stay in these bad situations?
2: There you go. Yes.
1: So the statement that you need to write at the top of this list is, "I teach everyone how I want to be treated."
2: Oh my goodness! Now that's profound. That is profound. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I teach everyone around me Mm -hmm. how to be treated. I mean, I I mean, that's like what's that?
0: How I how
1: I want to be treated. I yeah. teach
2: everyone how I want to be treated. Okay, thank you, Bob.
1: Now people have a knee jerk reaction to that. That's not, not true. I you know, I don't I you know, I don't I don't I don't want to go through this. You know, uh, uh there was a guy that I tried to help but he didn't he didn't really want he, well, he said he wanted help, but he really didn't. You know, people come and say they want help only because their spouse is ready to divorce them. It's going to cost them money or it's going to be inconvenient. They don't really want help. But they questions to...
2: like this will d- d- differentiate yeah. whether you really want help or not.
1: <laughs> so so uh, hi, th- this guy's mother, uh, she was incredibly codependent. And so her, her only, ca- she had such low self-worth. Her only capability of feeling loved would be uh, if she could control you. And so uh, that meant that she was always on everybody around her as to what they should do. So you grow up in an environment like that. So what starts happening is you, you, you know this person's parents always going to be there trying to tell you what you should be doing and you know, trying to tell you what's right and what's wrong. And so what happens, you just get so worn out on it that, that when they come and tell you something that, you know, that, that, that they're going to make you do you don't pay attention. So then, then they come back and tell you, you know, again, and they're going to, you know, they're getting a little more intense. And so eventually when the pressure gets to where you can't stand it, then you finally do whatever it is they want you to do. Well, now that seems like, well, you know, when I get out of that situation, I'm going to marry somebody different and it's not going to be that way. And I'm not going to do this with anybody else. So I always use this example with this guy, you know, uh, he he had you know he had a young three kids you know within the first few years of marriage uh he uh um uh, uh he had a wife that really 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 tried to really you know create a home for him and all this kind of stuff but he never helped with the kids. He never did anything around the house. If he, could, you know, he 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 always blew money on toys, and and then they couldn't pay their bills and couldn't buy groceries and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just it just never ended, because that's, that's what happened. You know, people who are controlled, a lot of Christians think it, 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 they use control as a way to train their children. Control doesn't train a person. Allowing a person to, make, you know, giving people advice about making how to make good decisions. Letting them make their own decisions and then live the consequences is how people learn. And if you don't let your children learn to make decisions, you know, within certain boundaries and then have to live with the consequences, then, then, then they don't learn. Now, if you bail them out, then they never. As a matter of fact, they do learn. They learn. I'll always get by with it. Somebody will always bail me out. Mm-hmm. So. So I always use this story and I, and I actually use this story sitting with this couple. I said, so as nearly as I can understand it, you, you come home from work and here, and here's kind of the way, here's kind of the way it would go. You come home from work and your wife got a baby on her hip. She got another one in a high chair and another one, you know, just barely walking and uh, you do not lift a hand to help her. So right off the bat, that is insulting. And then, um, Um, uh, she cooks you, you know, a a big meal and nearly every time she does, you say, I don't want to, I'm going to Burger King. And so he goes out to Burger King, gets a burger. And when, you know, when she's cooked a great meal for him, but I mean, her and the kids eat it. it. And I said, so, you know, so at the end of the day, she's, she's worked all day and she actually, you know, would do work that she could to help support The household financially because he was always blowing all the money. If she didn't make money, it was like they were, you know, they would have lost their home. You know, so um, and so said, and so here's 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 how I'm understanding this story. So on Monday, you've had a weekend, and so the garbage can is full, and she says, "Will you will you take the garbage out for me?" And you don't do it. You always say, yeah, I will in a minute. And then you go play video games and you do all these stupid stuff you do. And then on Tuesday, the garbage, you know, is can you can't pack nothing else in there. You can't close the lid. And, you know, and she's wrestling all three of these babies. She said, look, I need you to take that garbage. so she starts getting angry. I need for you to take that garbage out. You say, no, I I will. I I just forgot. I'll, I'll do it. And then you don't. Well, the problem is on Wednesday... You got to take the garbage out because the garbage runs on Thursday morning. And so by Wednesday, the garbage can is full, it's spilling out. There's garbage on the floor, and the babies are getting into the garbage. And and she, and she now she's like, you blank, 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 you are me. And she cusses you out, and she throws a fit. So what happens? You take the garbage out. So what have you trained her? To, to, how have you trained her to treat you? Mm-hmm.
0: You are allowed just to do whatever you want, yep. and it has to escalate yep. to a certain point, and I determine
1: when it happens or, or if it doesn't. But, but I determine it when you cuss me to the dirt and throw a fit, then I'm going to do what you ask me to do. So I have, I have trained you to believe. To escalate. That's the only time I will ever respond to you is when you cuss me out. Hmm. So we're always training people, you know, how we communicate, what prompts us to respond to their request. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of little ways that we're constantly saying, I will only give you a good answer. I will only have a conversation with you. I will only do what you asked me to do or, you know, whatever, when it reaches this level, it escalates to to this level. Right. And then you get mad at that other person. It's like, why are you always cussing me out and throwing a fit? Well, because you train them to realize that they get nothing out of you until they reach that place. So we have to realize we're training everybody around us how to treat us and
2: we're not training them by sitting them down and talking to them we're training. No. like i just wanted to make that clear you and i we all know that but i just want to make that clear we're not training them by saying i'd like to give you the manual on how i want to be treated no how we are reacting how we are responding how we are are, are moving towards each other all of that is 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 subconsciously and subliminally training that person of how we how we want to be treated i get it
1: so, you know, so you, you look at both the, sh- the problem with the husband and wife here. You know, both of them have all of these issues throughout their life that, uh, you know, that have made them who they are. And both of them are training each other. Uh, you know, like she's training him how she wants to be treated. You mm-hmm. know, I don't really mean it when I ask you nice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a hundred things that she could have done the first day he didn't carry out the garbage, mm-hmm. she so could have sat down and had a discussion with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, but but again, this stuff gets so complex. You're sitting there going, it don't matter if I have a discussion. i going you know what I mean? You're you're just kind of locked in this situation, or like I say, maybe. A person is with somebody who physically abuses them and you're just thinking, you know, th- this is so dangerous. I can't get out of this situation. I could get killed if I leave that's what That's where my mother was. I could get mm-hmm. killed if I tried to get out of this situation or one of my kids could get killed. So then what happens? We, we look at our struggle and maybe we start trying to fix it or we go to some place and we're getting what's supposed to be Christian counseling and this Christian counseling is just is telling you maybe some good exercises you could do, maybe some I mean I'm not saying this bad, but it, it, maybe they, there's some steps you could take, there's a little bit of wisdom you could use. but when something becomes a problem of the heart and if it's a problem of the heart, one of the ways you recognize it, is that that one? One is that that's usually repetitive. It happens in a lot of different situations with a lot of different people, or it just happens over and over in the situation that I'm in. Another thing with a problem of the heart is because the heart is the seat of your identity, of your of your sense mm-hmm. of self. Mm-hmm. Then, um, if it's a problem of the heart, then then you've usually got self worth problems, where mm-hmm. you, you on some level you probably think you deserve this or. Mm-hmm. Are you're not good enough to have anything better? I mean, I, I mean, who knows? Uh, but 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 the thing about it is, problems of the heart cannot be remedied by external performance.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: That is, or exercises your,
2: or tools like as yeah. you said, you can get some great some great ideas, but that yeah. is not going to solve the issue really at the heart of the matter.
1: And every one of those tools could possibly. Be something that could help you at a very deep level, but if the heart's not engaged, yeah, and most importantly, and we'll talk about the heart getting engaged and what that really, what, what I mean when I say that. But if the heart doesn't get engaged, and the real truth is, you are just jumping through hoops. Mm-hmm. And even if it momentarily fixes something, you will sabotage it, or that other person will sabotage it because you always are going to go back to your normal.
2: I'm so glad you said all that because that is exactly. Um, you know, because we're working continually with individuals and marriages and couples, I think that the problem, when we have a surface, I'll call that a surface problem, like it's a behavioral problem. Yep. And there's behavior, bad behavior going on. He's not doing this. She's not doing this. They're yelling, you know, all the fighting, that's just behavioral. Yep. But whenever someone is willing to take inventory of their beliefs of their heart, which is revealed by what they think about, how they feel, the feelings and thoughts that we're having are, I think, are revealers of what we're actually believing in our heart. Where, oh, yeah. we're, f- where we're focusing, where we're planting seeds of what we're believing for, all—all all of those is where it starts, and just it always starts with me getting loved by God, mm-hmm. so that then I can start to to transform those beliefs in my heart and know my worth. then that is exactly what's going to start. And people want to do something behaviorally different. And every time it's a matter of experiencing the love of God. And it sounds like a pat answer, but it actually is. When we know that we know we know we're loved and then we align ourselves with One of the things
1: that modern Christianity has rejected, one one of the biblical things is that every interaction that God has with you, it, even if you end up getting a physical healing, it didn't start by God touching your physical body. It started by something in your heart. Yes. Because God speaks to you in, in your heart. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak to you in your mind. Man, I've had people get mad at me. I've had people in the seminars just come up afterwards and say, no, God speaks to me in my mind. I hear it. I hear mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know something? <laughs> you may be hearing him. But it started in your heart. Yeah. And what you're hearing is that which is in, in your heart. In your is being put into words that you understand in in your mind. Uh, so that you so that you know how to function it. But it but it didn't it didn't come to you in your mind. Now people right. just do not want to accept that because because the truth is modern Christianity has doesn't even involve the heart. In the equation. They don't even understand what the heart is, they don't understand how the heart affects us and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the heart is the seat of who we are. Now, Mm -hmm. the heart is part spirit and part soul. Mm -hmm. Because it, you know, some people say, no, the heart's a spirit. That's what the word of faith movement always thought. Well, no. Then that would mean that the heart is one-dimensional and you are spirit and and soul and body. Yes, yes. So so if you say that the heart is just your spirit. Then, then you're denying or you're, you're ignoring or, try, or trying, to, trying to ignore this other part of you.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: If you said that the heart is the soul, which some groups say, then you're saying, oh, so, so then you're ignoring the spiritual part of your being. And you're just saying that your emotions and all these things, that, that's your heart. So the heart is part spirit and part soul are, and I'm describing it in human words. Sure. There's no really way to explain right. all this. But if, the reason it has to be both part spirit and soul is because uh, if it wasn't, it would only represent some fraction of, of who you are and how you experience yourself as a person. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So because it's both spirit and soul, that means one part of your heart is is intimately and actively engaged with and alive to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the soul part of your heart is intimately and actively engaged to your five senses,
3: Mm -hmm. the
1: the world around you. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And so so because of that, you know, the battle that everybody fights is not with the devil. You know, the Baptists and a lot of other denominations say, well, see, you get saved, so now you got two natures. You got your righteous nature and you got your sin nature. And so, you know, that struggle that goes on inside, you got like two dogs fighting. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got the good dog and the bad dog fighting. And you're going to wait. You're going to, you know, one of them's going to win. And that's which way you're going to go. Well, you know, I, I haven't found that dog fighting verse anywhere in the Bible yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what the Bible does tell us is that every battle, every struggle we fight, is is because we're either going to be spiritually minded or we're going to be carnally or naturally minded. So, so our mind then is receiving input from our spirit, yes. you know, via our heart, but it's also receiving input from our physical body through our uh, brain, which is mm-hmm. part of our flesh, uh, via our soul because of the way that's making us feel. And going into our mind, so so it's always a matter of what's going on inside me. Uh, not that I have two natures; I have a righteous nature, but I can be carnal minded, even though mm-hmm. I've got a righteous nature. Mm-hmm. So the question is, which one am I going to yield to? Which I'm yep. going to listen to?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, by the way, I've got I've uh, just started. Let me see it. I, I'm, I'm, I I don't know if if it comes out this week, but I just. Actually, I, I've done a really interesting, I, I just started a unique part of Always Above and Never Beneath. Wow. About, al, about always winning. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is going to be really, really, really a powerful series. And, mm. and I do have a support uh, audio series for it. Okay, but great. One, one of the things I talk about on here, by the way, is um, critical factors of faith. Hmm. And, you know, the critical factors are the things you have to know and operate in any mm-hmm. given situation. Mm-hmm. In marriage, crit- I always tell people, I don't ever try to be good at everything. You know, I just try to be good at important things. Mm-hmm.
2: And if mm-hmm. you're good
1: at the important things, that oh, kind of, mm-hmm. everything else kind of falls in a line.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Too many people think, I have to be good at everything to make this business work or make this marriage work or to, or to have a, you know, have a better relationship with my kid. No, you don't. You just got to be good at the important things. If you try to be good at everything, you really ain't gonna be good at nothing.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking about this morning because I had a real emphasis this morning on just how much I love wisdom. And I was listening to some music that was reminding me of that and just my heart was just leading me to just emphasize that thought of the incredible value and treasure that wisdom truly is and and everything that scripture, you know, I want to be really good at wisdom because yeah. you know, cuz that that's where I want to place my wisdom, my emphasis, my thoughts, my what I'm investing in, what I'm feeding, my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit is with things that are wisdom and are going to grow that wisdom because then I know that I want to be really good at wisdom is what I'm saying. I want to yeah. be really good at wisdom.
1: The interesting thing, though, is wisdom doesn't come out of our brain. So we're not always running around trying to think about it. No, trying to no, no, think no, no. About no. The right thing to
2: it's actually communing with God and and, yeah. and investing. Well, in,
1: it comes out of our heart. Yeah, and so, so when we, when we invest, like you're talking about through communion with God, you know, reading, yes. meditating on the word of God, mm-hmm. all these things, then what happens, we inwardly and I, you know, the heart is about feeling, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the mind is about emotions. Mm-hmm. And so feeling, and, I'm, and you know, I created my own sense of definitions, you know, but you know, the emotions are, you know, they come on you fast. Yeah. They change real quickly. And they change just based on what thoughts are going through your mind, it's what circumstances in, yeah, are happening. Yeah. But feelings, man, they emerge from deep within you. And they mm-hmm. come on kind of subtly. And, and then feelings abide. And even when your emotions change, if your feelings are rooted in God and, mm-hmm. and, and rooted in truth, then even when your emotions bounce around, you, you've always got this anchor that comes back to, oh, well, wait a minute. And you can bring this back to the heart and you can instantly feel
2: mm-hmm.
1: how you need to feel Hope, in the situation.
2: Hopeful or, or, or yeah. just feel yeah. encouraged or whatever that is, yeah.
1: So you know, in wisdom, and wisdom is about the practical application of truth. And
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: in, in wisdom, you don't always know what to do that you, in a way that you can explain it intellectually, because there's mm-hmm. so many, there's so many levels of outcomes. There's so many levels of uh, dimensions of what can happen when you make a, a godly decisions. You can't, you just can't think of all that stuff. But with wisdom, so many, I just feel. Yeah. I'm not talking about I have an emotion. I'm talking about I feel yeah. some. I have a deep, deep sense of just
2: yeah, of going just this direction. There's just something yeah. that's a deep sense, and I love that we don't have to put words to it. I think no. that that's when wisdom truly becomes beautiful. Is that we're we're not we're not trying to make it happen, you know, right. we're, and we don't right. have to put words to it. We could just be.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting you brought up. You were thinking about this morning because. This morning, I just kept thinking about Cracker Jacks.
2: <laughs> I got to get good at Cracker Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought,
1: man, I'd like to have, I would really like oh, to have yeah. some. I, I, and I tried my faith yes. to make Cracker yeah. Jacks appear- manifest. Yeah, manifest you know to, Yeah,
2: yeah. And they didn't appear apparently. <laughs> no. Apparently, got, you're, apparently a, you're not as magical as you thought you were.
1: Well, uh, I, I just got to go back to my heart. Yeah, that, and and I gotta, me. I gotta get my heart persuaded that God really loves Cracker yeah. Jacks too. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's the thing. You've Got to be gotta in do. agreement
2: here, alignment <laughs> and agreement. I love it.
1: So you know, I don't what, know, how, I
0: don't know how we do this. Last, last week, yeah. it, it was Chick Fil A.
2: Now <laughs> no, we, it was well, Taco Bell.
1: Oh,
0: was Taco? Bell. That's it. Taco was it
2: Taco Bell? Bell. Bell. No. Well, it was
1: that's Chick-fil-A. because that's because we're sensing where the Spirit is leading us every week. <laughs> And so, you know, like, last week, you know, week before that, we went to Chick-fil-A and got us something. <laughs> we last week, it. we went oh, to Taco yeah. Bell, but now we need dessert. Yeah. Cracker Jacks. Cracker
0: Jacks. <laughs> Jacks. I, as a child, it was all about the prize at the bottom of the box.
1: Well, yeah, I kind of like saying. both of them, the Cracker Jacks Did you? and the
0: prize. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I want my cake okay. and eat it too. So, okay. I,
0: I don't want to run out of time here. Okay. Uh, yeah, we did. We well, do
1: need wait to. a minute. That was important stuff. Right okay, there. I, I, that was important spiritual stuff. Don't don't you minimize the Tiger Jack story.
0: <laughs> okay, I, today we we have topically touched on a sprinkled yep. a, on a lot. Yep. And I think we've got some people back on their list. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're on that list, and they want they want things on the list to be fixed.
2: Yeah.
1: Because okay. I'm teaching so people that. how to treat That's me. That's really yeah. where I wanted to go now. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, because we, we can and we will need to take some personal responsibility no. here, yes. but we're not going to move into this place of self-condemnation. That's right. Okay. And I don't want anyone just blowing up their life no. just to change no. their perceived normal.
1: Okay. But there, you know, there is a high probability that for many people, they had Cracker Jacks on that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were sitting there. I say, I, yeah. addic- I have an addiction to yeah. Cracker Jacks. Yeah. Cracker jacks. It, it, it's a
2: problem. It's a problem.
1: <laughs> so, he, he, so here is the way again. So, you know, you know, the Book of Colossians. Man, oh, God has so much wisdom in His Word. It just amazes me what we ignore and we yeah. run everywhere else trying to find these solutions. But you know, God talks about. How that, uh, uh, you know, we can get into rituals. It, well, let me let me back up. We are either going to discover how to engage our heart intimately with Jesus, mm-hmm. and if we if we don't do that, then we're going to look for a replacement, and the replacement will probably be it'll either be uh, rituals, it will be a ceremony. It will be intellectualism, uh, or it will be our our culture and tradition.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, a ritual, you know, like a person who is OCD, they go and knock on your door. They know, they always have to knock a certain number of times. You know, it's like Sheldon on a Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He has to do it three times. I know people like that. I mean, and I will, I know people. I have known, I've had friends. You know, when they would walk through a room, you would see them. They didn't want you to see them, but I would, because you know how I am. I, I watch, I catch everything about people, about what they're communicating, their body language and yeah. eye movement, all that kind of stuff. And so you would see, they were, were trying to avoid stepping on a crack. You know, so rit- rituals are basically formulas that you believe you have to repeat mm-hmm. to feel safe or get the outcome that you want. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And then, of course, there are, are ceremonies. C- and now, by the way, none of these things are bad within themselves. They are only yeah. destructive if you put your trust in them mm-hmm, right. rather than Jesus, or if you use them without use help helping to engage you mm-hmm. in your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a ceremony... Like for example, uh, you know, water baptism is a ceremony. Mm-hmm. You know, half of my family is Baptist, half of my family is Church of Christ, and the Baptist side of my family believed that that you got baptized because you had surrendered your life to Jesus, and and you know, and it was based on your beliefs. Now they didn't really understand the the fullness of that, but now the Church of Christ believed. And, and again I have my family I, I grew up in this stuff, so people don't need to get offended over it. I'm just telling you and they know church of Christ just believed that the act of baptism, the ceremony of baptism is what saves you
3: hmm.
1: so uh you know there, there was there is, there's is, down south here we got all different kinds of denominations you guys didn't have in Canada or and, and some don't have many of them up north in the United States. But, but there's a, a a certain branch of this of the uh, Church of God, and they have this they have these weird doctrines, and one one of their weird doctrines is about baptism, and if you don't say the right formula over a ba- over a person, and mm-hmm. if they're if every part of their body does not go underwater, they don't get saved.
2: Wow, wow.
1: And so this church. Got behind some stuff I was doing, golly, uh, thirty years ago or longer. Some political things that I was doing back then, and so. But every time I get around this pastor, man, he would start. So, 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 do, do you? Believe, and this is I me. Mean, this guy got to be great friends because of the way I answered his question. So we we were doing a television interview together one time about some political things that were going on, and so at the at the end of it, he kind of liked my answers, you know. So he said, "Man," he said, "You know something?" He said, "Ah." Yeah, you know, I was I was impressed. I didn't think you would answer those questions that way. So he said, Can I ask you a question? He said, I said, sure. He said, So now, do you believe that water baptism saves you? I said, Absolutely. He said, Do you really? He said, I didn't realize that. I said, Oh yeah. I said, I believe I, I said, I, I believe just I said, I believe what you believe. I said, You believe what the Bible says about it, don't you? He said, Oh yeah. I said, Well, that's what I believe, what the Bible says. And so so I said, like, I absolutely believe every person is baptized. Uh, uh, and in faith, you know, they put the old man, they raised up newness of life, you know, that they're saved. And uh, this guy sat there and looked at me for the longest. And he said, you know what? I really believe every other preacher in this city is going to hell. But you know what? I think you're going to probably make it to heaven. <gasps> and he was serious. He believed that him... That his church was the only group in town that could go to heaven, and he but he but it, but because but he didn't really realize how I had answered the question because yeah, the book,
2: I, I heard you in faith the book I of see, Colossians it,
1: yes. you start in Colossians <clears throat> chapter two man it goes through this stuff about baptism but then it gets into circumcision of the heart and then it gets into into uh, uh, uh the fact that. That we are saved through baptism by faith in the operation of God. Right. So the the ceremony of baptism is not the problem. The cer- the, the the issue is, do I replace connecting with God and His finished work through with faith
2: with these rituals, ceremony, yeah. intellectualism, or culture or tradition? Like that, so, that's such an important oh, important thing to think absolutely.
1: about. Absolutely, and you know that's what Western. Christianity does. We rely on intellectualism. Mm-hmm. I have people contact me all the time. They want to learn the medical things about the heart that I share. They want to learn the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, scientific, the, you know, the, the quantum physics about the heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, you know what? You're missing the point. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, no. I get what you teach me, but, I, but this is what I really want to understand. Yeah. And I'm like, you know something you gotta, you gotta realize, understand this. I did nothing but biblical meditation about who I am in Jesus yeah. for, over, for over 20 years
3: mm-hmm.
1: before I ever, ever started researching these yeah. other factors. I right. had to be rooted from a biblical yes, perspective. Yes, yes, And these other factors are not the valuable factors. They all happen whether you know them or not.
2: Right. But the question
1: right. is, what are you doing with Jesus?
2: Yeah.
1: So, so... um we are always, the carnal mind is, is always finding a substitute mm-hmm. for faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. So when we are, I'm not, a, you know, if I'm, if I'm attempting to do something and I suddenly realize, man, I've hit a roadblock. I might stop right then. You guys heard me tell stories a lot of times where I would just stop right then, start doing some hard work, and, mm-hmm. you know, within, within a, a minute or two, I'm identifying what the belief is that's got me stuck at that point, and I'll deal with it. But I never really get introspective and try to figure out what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never. I, I, right. I just don't do that. Right. But, the, but here is the reality. Even though it's important to do that when these things emerge— if things are emerging a lot or repetitively, then it really reveals a great deficiency of the grace of God in your life. Because grace is the power, the strength, the capacity that comes by unmerited favor that works from your heart and makes you able to be and do everything that God says you are and that you can do.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we read this scripture in Romans eight twenty nine mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And it talked about in order to fulfill the calling, and, and, and you know, the two, in and, and Romans 8, 28, the two uh, uh, factors that determine whether or not everything will work for our good or not are two things. Number one, do we have a loving relationship that is where, where, where God is the love of our life, we're open with him? You know, we're, we don't hide anything from him. He doesn't hide anything from us. We're hearing his voice. You know, he's teaching us. He's directing us. And he's speaking to us about, you know, the steps that we need to take in our life, where we need to go, what we need to do. So there's that. But then the second thing is our calling. And people are like, well, oh, so I'm called to be an apostle. No, 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 no. If you get your personal <laughs> calling ahead of the ultimate calling of God in Jesus, You will end up always putting yourself, your ministry, and the things that you do ahead of what Jesus is trying to accomplish in the body of Christ and in the world. So in verse verse, uh, 29, it says that God predestined. It says, who he foreknew, he predestined. That doesn't mean that he predestined certain people, therefore he foreknew. That's not what it's saying. It's saying he looked down through history. See, predestination is nearly always about the process has been predestined, Mm -hmm. not the people that will be involved in the process.
2: Right, right.
1: So God predestined that, that if you will come to him through the Lord Jesus, that he has a calling. And this calling is the first, ultimate, highest calling of everything a believer can do. And if you put anything ahead of this calling, then you will never find that place where everything always works out to your good. In other words, you the know, this series I'm teaching is called uh, Always Above, Never Beneath, mm-hmm. The Biblical Secrets to Always Winning.
3: Mm-hmm. And so all, to always mind.
1: win, that means everything's got to work to your good. Mm-hmm. So, so he says that, that what this calling that everybody is called to is being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Mm,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Now, religion will tell you, and by the way, what we'll do, we're, we're, at, like almost, we're at almost an hour, so we can yeah. stop right here and pick this right up on the money. I would
2: love that because yeah. this would uh, be such a great direction yeah. because I feel oh, like there's such a rich, there's just yeah. so much we can go to in this subject. So,
1: so let me kind of close with this. Sure, See, re- sure. religion... Is always telling you that when man sinned that he lost his authority. That is not what the Bible says. I didn't say that anymore. Matter of fact, Jesus taught a parable that was just the opposite about that. The problem is not that we lost our authority. The problem is we lost our identity. Correct. Therefore, Hmm. we, we misuse our authority. And the way we use our authority pretty much destroys us. It, it, it alienates God from any of the processes and, uh, and never really permanently solves any problem. So where we will go next week is we, yeah. will, we will go to a place that says identity uh, leads to authority or identity mm-hmm. over authority, you know, you know something like okay, that. Okay,
2: good, 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 good.
1: Because, because what you want to realize is this, is that, is that nothing works as it should until you have recovered your identity in your heart where, mm-hmm. where your deepest sense of who you are is, as Christ is, so am I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was created the likeness in the image of God. This is my natural. This is me. Even though I got my flesh, it tries to war against this. This is the me. And so we're going to go to a place where we're going to learn, instead of running to God with individual problems and trying to fix this, and jump over and fix this, and jump over and fix this, and jump over and fix this, we're gonna to go to God in a way that every time we make this visit and have this encounter, it's, it's holistic.
3: Mm-hmm. It
1: changes pretty much everything that's going wrong. Everything yeah. about how we see ourselves starts suddenly fall into line. And when that happens, everything starts working for our good. It's yes, so true. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes, it's like everything just automatically starts working for our good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Audrey and I, we recently um, shared the platform. We, 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 we traveled to the East Coast, and we were part of a yeah. A we did marriage that last event. weekend. We forgot to. We tell were you part that. of a marriage event and uh, speaking at a conference, and uh, it was just fantastic. You know, probably two hundred and fifty. You know, five hundred people were there. You know, two hundred and fifty couples, five hundred people. What a fantastic weekend! But we were we went. Ahead of time to make sure that, that that we were a part of the entire event,
3: yeah.
0: And then uh, and then we uh, we closed the, the the conference and just had a great time. But we were able to hear a couple, you know, share ahead of time, and then we were able to meet with them and uh, have dinner with them. And they, as as a couple in leadership, had experienced. A betrayal in the marriage, yeah. and that was where you know the husband had had uh, an affair. Well, I didn't know the significance of our story in helping them,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and so afterwards, you know, just getting to know them and talking with them, and when I heard her speak, because she she shared you know very little but real gems. She's it always came back. With experiencing Jesus, and and having the truth of your identity, dignity, and worth restored, and it was I was just like, this is profound. It's just like she's she she's, sing, just like we, she's, she's singing my she's, song. She's
2: emphasizing everything we. So emphasize. then we talked
0: afterwards, and she says, "You have no idea." She says, "You're the only one that has ever spoken like this or or helped." Yeah. And she says, and it it helped me. So where we're going in in this podcast and next week I think is so very, very important because we have a misplaced identity. Yep. So if in your normal, it's attached to others or to circumstances yes, or yep. to your spouse, and then all of a sudden you're, you're wanting your normal to change or it's disrupted, because that's what happened to me. I had no idea how much of my identity was attached to the success of my marriage and and to Audrey herself. And so when that w- that cart was overturned, it was just like, oh, and right away you go, how do how do I fix that? You see, how do I, you know, you know, um uh change her, you know, fix the marriage? And so, of course, there's things that you can naturally, practically yep. do, put tools in your marriage uh, toolbox. Got that. Right. But yep. it only works as long as you work the system, then you're exhausted yep. and worn out. Yep. I had no idea of the transformation that was going to happen in me. Right. Yep. You see, and my normal
2: mm-hmm. changed. Yeah.
0: And that's the invitation for all of you yeah. is that that's so true. So often we have misplaced our identity, mm-hmm. somewhere else. And I believe that you're going to find it in Jesus yeah, and what a really great really live free.
2: What a great Absolutely. direction. I love that.
1: Absolutely.
2: I love that. <clears throat>
1: All right, and that's what we'll do. We'll do it. Thank you, Jim, very, very much. Thank you. Hey, Thanks, everyone, for
2: listening. We appreciate it. And I, heard, I hope you heard what Jim was saying about um, his new series that's coming up about Beneath and Above, always, be, Always Above, Never Beneath. And yep. um, I want to make sure we can, you can get that audio series at livetransform and um, we look forward to. Seeing We're good. You next I'm looking time. forward to
0: next week. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye yeah.
2: yeah. bye.